The Senate confirmed Michigan School Choice activist Betsy DeVos as Education Secretary on February 7th. The vote was 51 to 50, with Vice President Mike Pence breaking the tie. It marks the first time in American history that has happened, and it's made DeVos a household name. I'm Sean Zeller, and this is CQ Roll Call's Week Ahead podcast. My guest today is Emily Wilkins, our education reporter. Emily, welcome. Thanks so much, Sean. So, Emily, why was DeVos's nomination so controversial? So many reasons. Um, DeVos was a controversial pick from the beginning, like most of President Trump's picks have been. Uh, She was a strong advocate and a donor towards school choice issues, something that uh, lots of Republicans support, but not that many Democrats. Uh, She was also controversial because her resume really doesn't have a lot of background in public schools. She's never attended public schools. Her kids didn't attend public schools. She's never worked as a teacher. And so there was this kind of big gap in her resume that hasn't been there for past education secretaries. Combine that with uh, what many saw as a really poor performance at her confirmation hearing in front of the Senate. And then top it all off with the fact that uh, Republicans, um, if three Republicans decided to oppose her, her nomination wouldn't have gone through. And they got two Republicans at the very beginning Uh, Senator uh, Lisa Murkowski from Alaska and Susan Collins from Maine came out very quickly and said that they'd be opposing it on the floor. And so that's left uh, Democrats and others who opposed DeVos to really bring out this big uh, grassroots push to find that third Republican. Indeed, she raised some eyebrows at um, her confirmation hearing. What did she say there? So many things. (laughs) I think the big line that was taken away from it Senator Chris Murphy from Connecticut, where obviously there was the horrible Sandy Hook elementary shooting, had asked DeVos about guns and guns in schools, whether she would support a proposal that President Donald Trump mentioned on the campaign trail of eliminating gun-free zones at schools. And DeVos, instead of giving a straight answer, mentioned that there's this school uh, in Wyoming that has a grizzly bear fence, and they probably have a gun there to shoot grizzly bears. And it came across as incredibly tone deaf, especially from the question from the senator from Connecticut. That was a big thing that a lot of people latched on to. In addition to that, she couldn't answer a question from uh, Senator Al Franken from Minnesota on growth versus proficiency. And it's a little wonky in the weeds, but it's something that if you are going to be the secretary of education, you should know about. And she really kind of displayed that she did not. In addition, there's a federal law for individuals with disabilities to make sure that they are receiving the education they need from our public schools. She did not appear to know that that was a federal law, and that was really concerning for a number of senators as well as a number of people who are listening. DeVos acknowledged that the confirmation hearings hadn't gone as well as she'd hoped, and she made light of it at her debut at the Education Department. Here's a clip from that. There's no need to pull any punches. For me personally, this confirmation process and the drama it engendered has been a bit of a bear. Emily, uh, about the growth versus proficiency issue, what is the difference? The idea of growth is how much has a student learned within a year? Proficiency is has a student met a certain standard? And so you think about some of these schools, perhaps with low-income students, uh, kind of maybe perhaps a poor education quality. If you're a third-grade teacher and you have a student who comes in reading at a first-grade level, 
you're not going to be able to get them up to the third grade level by the end of the year, but you might be able to get them up to a second grade level. That's growth from going from a first grade level to a second grade level, but it's not proficiency. They haven't reached the standard that's supposed to be there for the third grade level. And so that's sort of a big question about, you know, how we measure students and how we measure their success. You mentioned that two Republicans, Susan Collins in Maine and Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, voted against her confirmation. But despite a flood of calls from constituents, most Republicans, the, the remaining Republicans, ignored them. Um, why so? Why were they able to do that? I think this shows strength on the side of the Republican Party and Republican leadership because, uh, honestly, senators gave very different reasons for why they were continuing to support DeVos. Uh, Senator Pat Toomey of Pennsylvania uh, sent out a letter to his constituents saying, I support school choice. I've always supported school choice. DeVos is great for school choice. We're going to support her. While Deb Fisher of Nebraska put out a statement saying, that DeVos had promised her that she wouldn't be forcing states to implement the school choice voucher programs and that she would be protecting public schools. So I think that, you know, due to those differing opinions, it kind of just shows that Republicans have uh, really managed to unite to make sure that Trump's picks are going to get through. Now, DeVos has also given a lot of money to the Republican Party, something Democrats uh, made a big deal about during the confirmation process. She once described herself as the biggest donor or her family as the biggest donor of soft money to the Republican Party, soft money being the unlimited contributions that Congress banned in 2002. Where does all that money come from? Their family is known as the uh, Koch brothers of Michigan. Her father-in-law, Richard DeVos, is the co-founder of Amway, and she herself comes from wealth. You mentioned she's a school choice activist. What does that mean to be a school choice activist? School choice is the idea is that students should not be limited uh, to the public school that they're supposed to be going to based on their zip code and where they live. The idea is that if a child is attending a failing school, the parents should be able to have some of the resources to send them to a private school or a charter school where the kid perhaps might do better. That, that's basically the idea behind school choice. The choice, you, you don't have to just go to the public school that you're assigned. Now, here in Washington, D.C., there are a lot of charter schools. There are a lot of charter schools in other cities that are run by Democrats, such as New Orleans and Detroit. So why were Democrats and liberals so up in arms about her support for charter schools? Well, for Democrats, the big argue comes down to finances. And it's kind of um, if you can go ahead and fund these voucher programs, it's taking money away from public schools, which is the argument of a lot of Democrats and liberals. So, vouchers are different from charter schools, right? Yes. Yes, they are. Um, so vouchers are kind of like the uh, the money that is given to a child, and it follows the child to the school of their choice. Uh, charter schools are one of those schools, and charter schools are rather a type of those schools. And charter, the idea behind charter schools is to uh, sort of provide a, a different education than a public school, either with a different focus or sort of under different rules, depending on where the charter school is located. But vouchers are typically associated with uh, a government grant of money, typically to lower a lower income family, to allow their child to go to a private school, whereas ch public charter schools are something different. Right. They, they are, although there are for-profit charter schools and private, uh, you know, charter schools that are not public, and vouchers would also allow uh, students to attend those. Basically, vouchers are just giving a certain sum of money to parents and saying, "Hey, you can use this to help your child pay for tuition at whatever school they need to attend." 
Right. And the vouchers, of course, a lot of the private schools out there that people can afford with their voucher are religious schools. Mm -hmm. And the DeVos family is a big supporter of religious schools and religious institutions, religious advocacy groups, such as the Family Research Council here in Washington, D.C., and so that adds to the controversy, right? Oh, it does. Uh, DeVos, uh, prior to her hearing, uh, there was a recording of her, I believe, from the early 2000s, where she and her husband were at an event where they mentioned that you know school choice was part of, uh, I believe, bringing God's kingdom to schools and to kids. That didn't get that much play throughout her confirmation and nomination process, uh, but it has been something that has been mentioned in the past. One of the issues Democrats raised was a lack of accountability at private schools which receive the vouchers or at these public charter schools. What's the issue there? So uh, the issue is, um, you know, different states and localities will set different parameters for private schools and for charter schools, but many of them don't come under all the same federal regulations and protections that public schools do. And so there's a concern of kids getting left behind, perhaps if they have a disability, if their test scores aren't high enough, uh, perhaps instances of racial profiling. It's just the, the question of what happens when these protections that we have put in place are no longer there. DeVos has taken a conciliatory tack since she was confirmed. Here's what she had to say about becoming education secretary. I'm committed to working with everyone and anyone from every corner of the country, from every walk of life, from every background, and with those who supported my nomination and those who did not, to protect, strengthen, and create new world-class education opportunities for America's students. So now that she's secretary, Emily, what can she do to further her vision? Well, like all secretaries of departments, she will be able to control regulation on laws that are passed by Congress, rules and guidance, although it will be interesting to see how that plays out as Republicans in Congress were very critical of Obama administration for releasing so much, uh, so many rules and regulation and guidance. Uh, one of the things that a lot of people are expecting to see from DeVos is for her to use uh, the position of her power to continue to advocate uh, for school choice, for charters, for vouchers. She sort of has this bully pulpit now that she can use as far as influencing perhaps states, uh, perhaps Republican members of Congress. The federal government sends billions of dollars to the states each year to help them pay for elementary and secondary education. I think it's about 10 percent of the total funding. Does DeVos have any ability to control how that money is spent by the state? She can certainly work with Republican members of Congress to try and formulate um, a plan, make sure that, you know, they've crafted a proposal that the Trump administration is going to approve of. But she has her hands tied in the fact that she really cannot do much uh, without Congress uh, signing on and, and passing a law. And right now, for some of the bigger proposals like Trump's uh, billion-dollar proposed federal voucher program, they don't currently have the votes, either at the House or in the Senate, uh, to pass something like that through. There are definitely other options as far as ways that they can promote uh, school choice um, and the ability for parents to sort of get some federal help in funding their child's education at a private school or a charter school. Uh, but she is really going to have to work with Congress when it comes to the dollar side of things. So this big protest movement emerged. Where does that go from here? 
there's definitely still a very strong anti-DeVos sentiment out there. Today, she was supposed to uh, go to a uh, public school in D.C., I believe, and meet with a teacher's union there and was unable to get in through the initially planned entrance because there were protesters there. And there was video of these protesters following DeVos to her car and trying to stand in front of the car with the signs. So uh, how this opposition plays out as she starts to make decisions and tries to actually begin to implement things with the department uh, remains to be seen. But it doesn't look like this has suddenly dissolved simply because she's been confirmed. Thank you so much for coming on, Emily. Thanks so much, Sean. I'm Sean Zeller. Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on NPR One.